Well, amen. Hey, well, good morning, church. Morning. Hey, y'all can do better than that. Good morning, church. Morning. There we go. Man, good to see you this morning. Man, sweet spirit here. God's doing a good thing today. Uh, my name is Bradley Benton. Uh, most of you probably know me as Buck, uh, and I have the honor of preaching to you today. Uh, I have the opportunity, the privilege uh, to serve as our lead pastor uh, at Connection Church Dublin right up the road. And, uh, and before we get going today, um, first of all, a couple things. Uh, I pray you're engaged. Man, I, the more you're engaged, the more I'm going to go. And more importantly, uh, we're going to get out of here on time, okay? So you, you talk back to me a little bit, or I ain't scared, man. I know, I know you guys are ready to get to the buffet, um, so make sure you, you talk back. But secondly, I just want to give a second just to honor uh, this church and the work and, and what God is doing uh, in this church. And so uh, my wife and I had the privilege of being a part of this body uh, when it was about 14 people in a living room. And, and Billy said, hey, we're, we're going to reach this community for the gospel. And, uh, and since that time, we have what you see. But you guys have planted two churches. Uh, you, you guys raised me up, sent me out about five years ago uh, to go and plant Connection Church Dublin through the 1-8 Project. And I'm pumped about that, by the way. Uh, you guys have sent out another church planner to Athens, and then I hear uh, that you guys have now raised up and sent out an international church planner uh, that's going literally across the globe to teach people about Jesus. Can we just say a second and say thank you to God for his hand uh, on this body of Christ? And, and that's what this church is all about. It's what it's always been about. How can we best connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And so I'm fired up for the word today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those. Uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, start in verse 15. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, I, I love how God uh, does this stuff sometimes. Um, I, uh, this was actually the first passage I preached the very first night we started our church in Dublin. And uh, man, I'm so gracious that God uh, was with us in that time. Uh, the first time I got up there, I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, I held that mic and that thing was doing a little bit of this number up there. You know what I'm saying? Um, and probably didn't go great, but by God's grace, people came back. And I want you to know, because of your yes, your yes to raise up people, to send in support uh, in Dublin, over 200 people in five years have said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, and, and that's a direct byproduct of of you guys, of your prayers, your faithfulness, your generosity. And so uh, I really do believe the best is yet to come for Connection Church by Delia. Amen? Amen. All right, let's read God's word together. Verse 15, it says, but I have not used any of these rights. So, so picking up, um, and I'm gonna go back and, and show you guys what's going on in verses one through 14. But again, this is Paul writing this letter to the Corinthian church. And he says, but I have not used any of these rights uh, and I'm not writing this and hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in the preaching of the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Now lean in verse 19. Though I am free, key word there, I am free and I belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, 
so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. Why? To win the weak. I become <clears throat> all things to all people. Why? So that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Church, let's pray uh, over this word. God, we love you. Thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to preach and uh, to, to share your word. God, what a, uh, what a humbling thing to get to do. God, I pray right now uh, for all of our hearts in the room. Uh, Lord, many of us maybe came in with uh, bondage or struggles or it's just been a, a rough week. Um, God, we've come in from, from all over the place. And maybe for some, it's our first time at church, first time in a long time. Uh, God, I pray that right now you would uh, open up uh, our hearts, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to say. Uh, God, I pray for me, Lord, I pray that this time would have nothing uh, to do with me, but God, you would just use me, uh, that I would say what you once said, and God, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Uh, we love you, and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so again, this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, again, first sermon ever preached as a church planner, that kind of thing. But I want to backtrack a little bit. So I, I shared a little bit that um, I was a part of this church when it first got cranked up. Um, and I want to backtrack a little more uh, of my testimony, a little bit of, of how I grew up. So I grew up just a few miles down the road in Lyons, uh, Georgia, you know, the big city around here, right? Um, and, and so grew up uh, in church, grew up um, and, and just had a lot of incredible men God brought into my life to pour into me and... Um, and yeah, just really had that privilege. And so I was always associated with the, the, the church and, and with Jesus and, and that sort of thing. And, and was, you know, would have been considered kind of the, the good guy in, in high school by some. And man, but there was plenty of bad guy going on. A lot of people just didn't know it, right? And then when I went off to, to college, I, I got the opportunity to wrestle uh, at a Southern Baptist college. And I can remember uh, we, we had chapel to go to and and, um, and man, for, for a, a small town um, Christian boy, man, I, you know, Anderson University, this Southern Baptist school should have been the place uh, where I was just flourishing, right? Like I'm at a Christian college, but I could remember waiting to get out of chapel because I was leaving chapel to go get into uh, some college things. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, a bunch of righteous people in the house, but okay, we're going we're gonna to stick with it. You know, you know, but... Um, so anyway, so for about two and a half years, when I got out from my umbrella, when I got out from my small town, when I got out from the umbrella of my, my parents who had taught me how to do right, we really got to see what was going on in my heart. And, um, and, and I began to realize that my heart wasn't really uh, surrendered to Jesus. My heart really was um, just kind of doing sinful stuff, doing what the, the world wanted. And I, and I learned a key lesson in that, okay, and I want you to take this with you. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's a big difference between being associated with Christ and surrendered to Christ. Hear that again. There's a big difference between being associated with Christ and being surrendered to Christ. And so, um, two and a half years, kind of lost my way, uh, if you will. 
And so I decided, you know what? Uh, I think I'm going to transfer. And I'm going to transfer to an even more Christian college. And there I'm going to get back on track. Um, so I decided to transfer to the great Georgia Southern University, right? And man, that you know that would get me back on track. Um, joking, of course. And so, man, I was like, golly, there's going to be more opportunity. Georgia Southern, you ain't got to hide it, right? You just, everybody else is doing it. Um, and as God's providence and grace would have it, I moved into a trailer in Greenhaven, um, uh, uh, this trailer part right there at Georgia Southern, $150 a month. Man, wouldn't you go back tomorrow, right? Uh, with a young man named Billy Shiver. You guys know this guy? Yes? And, um, and so I moved in, and, and, and I kind of piled right in with the college life, right? Like piled right in, going and doing the thing, getting it done, um, you know, going to school and that kind of deal. But I want to tell you something. Little did I know, uh, Billy had come to faith in Christ about a year before I got in there. And man, he was the real deal. Uh, he wasn't associated. He was surrendered. And so I, I began to notice in his life that like he read his Bible, and he like loved God. And here's the thing, like he wasn't weird about it, right? Like we still played softball, we still did all this stuff. But when I went out to go do the things that weren't real good things with uh, all the people, uh, he just didn't. He never judged me for it. When I would come home late, he never shamed me, never guilted me, he never, he never did all these things. He just loved me uh, and we enjoyed time together. And I'm gonna tell you what began to happen over time is by his obedience, uh, he won me to Jesus Christ. He just did. I, I, for the first time, like someone my own age, um, uh, he, he lived it, and I began to want the one, uh, I began to want the God that had won him. Does that make sense? And so what Paul is teaching us today, and I want you to listen to this, everybody lean in. The main point of this text, Paul says that he used his freedom to do whatever it took to reach people for Jesus. That's what he's wanting, that's what this passage is all about, that he is free in Christ, and he was gonna do whatever it took to reach people for Jesus. And I wanna tell you, all Billy had to do, he just lived it. He didn't preach at me, he, just, he just lived it in front of me and it won me. So I want to uh, lean you in. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the main thing I want you to take away today, okay? Don't waste your freedom in Christ. Use it to reach people. Hear that again. Don't waste your freedom in Christ. Use it to reach people. That we do whatever it takes to, to, to win people to Christ. Now, again, uh, you guys have um, sent out two churches, okay? You're, you're sending out an international church planner. Uh, there'll be somewhat four, five, six hundred people here hearing the gospel today. And you're like, man, this is going pretty good. I want to let you know, in our county here, on a great Sunday, 20% of this community will go to church. 20%. So what I want you to know is this is, this is huge today. That this message, I pray that it, it shakes you and God uses it, and man, that it opens your eyes to a greater reality of why God called you by name, right? Because this, this community's not done. This church isn't done. I believe that the very best is still in front of us, amen? I, I believe that. I just believe so. And so we are the kind of people we always have been that we're gonna do whatever it takes short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And that's what Paul is wanting to teach us today. So, so with that being said, let me give you some context of, of what's happening. So in verses 1 through 14, uh, Paul is telling them, he starts out by defending his apostleship. And so what, what apostle is, it means sent one, right? And so he was telling them that I've been sent from God to you in Corinth to share the gospel with you, to share the good news of Jesus, and to help you grow as a leader. He's basically saying, I've been sent from God to lead you. And he said, as a church leader, and all of us as Christians, 
He said, I am free in Christ. Can somebody tell me how good is it that coming to faith in Christ isn't chains, but it's freedom, amen? And that's what he's saying. He says, I am free in Christ. And he says, I am free to eat and drink, right? Whatever I, what, 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 you know, I'm free to eat and drink. He says, I'm free to take a believing wife. He says, I'm free to receive a living and financial support from the gospel. And he says, um, this is actually a good thing. And in many of his books, he's, he's uh, writing for like, hey, be generous so that the gospel can go forth. And what he's saying right here in verses 15 through 18, he says, I'm free in those things, but I've refused them so that I might win you to Christ. Does that make sense? And, and basically what he's doing is, is he, he said, man, I, I have chosen that I'm gonna make tents and live among you, even though, man, like I, I, I have a right to take a, a wife and all these sorts of things. He says, I don't want anything to hinder you guys getting the gospel. And, and in Corinth and, and in these Gentile nations, they look down on manual labor. They thought that was like a bad thing and that they just delegated it to slaves. And see, what Paul is doing is he's not even preaching with his sermons, but he's preaching with his life. And that basically he said, man, I, I'll go and work to show you that I'm not preaching this to you so that I'll get anything. I don't want anything from you. I want a relationship with Jesus for you. That's what he's saying. And I'll do whatever it takes in this, in this place. I'll do whatever it takes to reach you with the gospel. I'll forfeit whatever. It would be like us. I want you guys to take this with you. Um, if you could take a different job, if you could move to a place and it cuts your pay in half, but you knew people would meet Jesus, would you do it? And that's basically the, the decision Paul's making here. Of like, man, I'll go and do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus, right? And so um, I want you to kind of take this with you, okay? So if Paul would do that, let's apply it to our life. What can we learn from 1 Corinthians 9 today? That's what I want you to know. If, if Paul's here and, and he's saying, man, I wrote this. Obviously, God inspired it. I wrote it. What does God want us to know today? First thing, I want you to take this with you. I believe he's telling us to use your freedom to win people to Jesus. Hear that again. Use your freedom to win people to Jesus. Now, I'm a very competitive, goal-oriented person. Do we have any of you in the house? There were none at the nine, so they didn't understand me. But okay, it's all right. But is that anybody? Yeah, no, y'all can move, talk in church a little bit. I tell you, you better talk back if y'all wanna go eat. Like, listen, I thought I was joking. But I am. Like, I'm one of the guys that I just need to know the goal. Tell me, like, what do I need to go to? What do I need to do? And I believe a lot of times why we aren't flourishing in our relationship with Jesus is that we have the wrong goalpost, okay? Read with me verse 19. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, so he's saying, I've been made free in Christ. I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So many times why we're not walking in the fullness of Jesus, why the gospel isn't freeing and, and all these sorts of things is that our goalpost is fuck or preacher, whoever, show me what I must do to get saved and go to heaven. That is the goalpost, right? Like I, I just need what I need to make sure I get through the gates and that's it, right? So think about it like football. Um, that's the end zone of like, man, I just wanna make sure I get to heaven. And man, that's not the goal of, of the Christian life, right? Like I would say it like this, when we get freed, when we come to faith in Jesus, that's permission to get on the field. I've never seen anybody that got saved and then poof, they teleported to heaven. Y'all know that, right? If they do, man, y'all call me, let me know what happened. I, I gotta know. But no, listen, 
when we come to faith in Christ, the goal is that now we are to grow to maturity and reach others. I'll say it like this. The goal is not just to get set free. It's to use our freedom in a way that others get set free. All right, hear that again. It's not that we would be set free, but God would use us so that others can be set free. The gospel isn't designed just to come to us and sit. It's designed to flow through us into someone else. Brother and sister, as a Christian, we should not be a reservoir that stops the work of the gospel when it gets to us. We need to be a river that it comes to us and flows through us into the world. Amen? This is a picture of maturity, is that when we begin to see Christ for who he is, what he's done, grow in him, I'm telling you what's going to happen. We begin to want to share him with others. And so the goal is not to get on the field, okay? The goal is not just to, 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 to get freed. What is the goal? The goal is to win people to the God who won you. Hear that again. The goal is to begin to win people to the God who won you. And so Paul understood this. I mean, dude was a stud, right? Like when he was a, a, a Pharisee, when he was a, a man of the law, he actually hated Christians. He, he persecuted them and, and, and he was prestigious and he had wealth, fame, influence, all this stuff in the world's eyes. But man, Jesus met him on the Damascus Road. Like he just had an experience with Jesus. He heard the good news that, that Jesus would save him. And what he did is he repented of all that. He began to make tents and plant churches and reach people. It was like what he saw, he never got over. For the rest of his life, he was just trying to reach people. And what he would do is he would go to a new area, he would plant a church, right? And not only would he win people to Jesus, but he would stay, he would train them up, he would grow them so that they could reach other people in the community. And when he did that, he said, all right, my work's done, I'm going on somewhere else. Honestly, and this is what I love about our church, and specifically this one, Churches are simply disciple-making factories. Hear that again. Churches are disciple-making factories. You win people, you equip them, you train them, you send them, they reach more people. That's how it was designed to work. And Paul did this, and he would do whatever it took to, to make that happen, right? And so kind of ask yourself a question um, of, man, what does it look like for me to reach people? Maybe for some, it's the first time you've ever heard that. Listen, I, I've been there. I know exactly what you mean. But man, Paul is serious about it. I wanna tell a crazy story about the lengths people will go to reach people. Uh, back, a, I guess it's been a couple hundred years now, there was a great movement across the pond um, uh, called the, the Moravian Church Revival. And this church, man, it, I think it was like 70 years, something like that. Uh, they prayed, they worshiped, they sought the face of God and, and were just hungry for God to move and to have this revival. Well, God brought revival to the Moravian Church and then for a hundred years, they began to send missionaries all over the world. It was like a sending factory. They were equipping people, they were sending them. A lot of people believe the first great awakening in America was a result of the Moravian movement, okay? And so these two men, they were, I believe, 1920, 21, um, Johann Leonard Dober and David Nietzscheman. Don't quote me on the names, it's my best shot though. Uh, they were craftsmen. Everyday, ordinary folks in their 20s and they begin to feel this strong urge to slaves in the West Indies. That, that they, they were convinced that God had raised them up to go in to share the gospel and to win these people to Christ. Right? And so um, in this time that, that they could not get in country, 
uh, because of slave traders in the nation. They're like, man, no, we're, we're not going to let you in. And so uh, they wouldn't let them share the gospel with these people. They wouldn't let them go. And so they decided, they sold everything they had, went to the church, sold themselves into slavery. Right? They, so they went to a slave trader and gave them the money and said, hey, I, I want to be a slave, and I want you to send me to the West Indies. And they went in, and they began to effectively share the gospel with them which is just amazing. That's the kind of hunger that, that Paul had, and you kind of see it. It's like, man, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. Now, um, this is gonna convict a little bit, but I want you to listen. The biggest thing we have to fear about sharing the gospel with someone here is an awkward conversation, <laughs> right? Just being honest, right? Um, just, just an awkward conversation. And you begin to learn as you try, no, don't feel too bad as you begin to try, Amen. And no, it doesn't hurt so bad. And so what I'm telling you is this, and I want you to, to bring this with you if you're taking notes. Don't be selfish with your salvation. Don't be selfish with your salvation. Your freedom isn't for you to do whatever you want. Your freedom that Christ gave you is so that we will do whatever God wants. And God makes it very clear. We are God's plan A to reach the world, and he has no plan B. The church, it, we are his design plan to take the good news of Christ to the world, and he's raised us up to do it. Amen. Now, you hear that, maybe that's settling in your heart. Let's talk about how. We're like, all right, but well, well, how do I go and reach someone? I have never even tried, right? Well, I'm telling you, I've been there also. I want you to take this with you. Use your freedom to build bridges, not barriers with people. Hear that again. Use your freedom to build bridges and not barriers with people. Look with me in verse uh, 20. So Paul says this. He says, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Just like those guys, I'll do whatever it takes, and I'm going to win as many as I can. I'm going to take as many to heaven with me as I can. Now, verse 20, this is how. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Those under the law, I became like one under the law. And then he, he makes quick note. He says, though I myself am not under the law, right? He says, why did I do it? So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, I am under Christ's law. Why? So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Listen, this is the one you take with you. I have become all things to all people so that what? By all possible means, I might save some. What he's saying is, I will build whatever bridge I need to to, to get Jesus to walk across it to get to someone's heart. Right? I'll do anything short of sin to reach people, right? And so this movement, this, this, what Paul is teaching us here, that it's all about going and reaching people. But one of the things that I want you guys to see a lot of times uh, is that we can become barriers to the gospel going forth. You see, Paul was a, a Pharisee. And before Jesus came and, and Jesus uh, died on the cross and resurrected, uh, the Pharisees were the religious elites. These were the people that were in the temple. They were making sacrifices to God. They were living according to the law. And, and everything they were doing was meant to point people to a Messiah that's coming, right? But what had happened over time, instead of them becoming bridges for people to meet God, they had become barriers for people to meet God. Now, a lot of times, uh, churches start out in a, good, in a good intention, but it becomes a bad thing over time. Amen? Anybody ever experienced some church hurt before? It felt like a barrier? All right, well, listen, um, I don't think anything starts out that way, but if we're not intentional about reaching people, it's what it can become. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, any of you guys watch The Chosen yet, the, the show? All right, four of you. That's all right. Everybody else, listen up. Uh, zone in. 
So in the, in the show, The Chosen, you can download it on the app, episode one, or I'm sorry, the pilot episode. Man, I was just crying like a baby. It was just, it was just phenomenal, phenomenal content. And in the episode, these shepherds who were outside of the temple, right? And the temple was the place where, where sacrifices were made and the Pharisees were worshiping God. The shepherds tended flocks out in the field, right? They were dirty. They were seen as outcasts. They were seen as lowly. And, um, and in this scene, uh, this shepherd, this guy who's kind of got a limp, uh, he raises up a lamb and he's going to sell it to the temple, okay? And so he comes into town and, and, uh, and he's this, this guy who, like I said, doesn't look real cleaned up. And, and he comes to the temple to give this lamb to the Pharisees, the people that are supposed to be leading people to Jesus. And you just tell the Pharisee is looking down on him and he's judging him. And he's like, man, you, you know, sorry, whatever, whatever. When he tries to give him the lamb, the lamb has spotted. It's, it's gotten hurt. It's gotten hurt somehow. And he said, don't you ever come back here without a perfect lamb. And what he was saying was, we, we need perfect lambs to sacrifice. And, and so this, uh, this shepherd boy's like, but hey, listen, while I've got you, tell me about this Messiah. He's like wanting to know. He said, when do you think he'll come? When is Jesus coming? And all this sort of stuff. And the, the Pharisee's like not even paying him attention. He's just like, get out of here. You don't belong here. And so as the story goes on, um, Jesus is born and the angels, instead of appearing to the guys in the, in the temple, the Pharisee, the angel actually appeared to the shepherds. And he says, I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior, Jesus, has been born. And that angel could have appeared anywhere. God could have sent the angel, but he sent them to the shepherds. Why? Because God didn't come to get and save the righteous, but he came to find that which was lost. He went outside of the temple to go reach people. And in the scene, when they hear the good news, they run to go see Mary and Joseph, and they walk in, and guess who the first person is that gets the whole baby Jesus? It was that shepherd that was cast out. And man, I'm telling you, at this point, Carly's just having to console me. I'm crying like a baby. I mean, it's just beautiful. Uh, but, but listen, God's trying to teach us something here, okay? Is that it's not about putting up barriers to keep people out. It's about raising people up from within and sending them out to go reach people. That's always been God's heart, to seek and save the lost. And so Paul is saying here that um, I uh, will do whatever it takes to reach Jews. He says, I'm, I'm not under the law. Christ has freed me from the law, but I'll behave like one under the law to reach Jews. Listen, that means he just wouldn't eat bacon, right? Well, to me, that's a, that may be a deal breaker, but listen. That's what he's saying. I, I, I won't eat bacon. I won't, I'll keep the rituals when I'm around Jews so that I can build a bridge to reach the Jews. Uh, in fact, in one scene, he actually circumcised the man so that the Jews could be reached. Now, that one, I'm definitely out. Amen? Um, but he did it. That's how serious he was. And he says um, uh, he would eat with pagan Gentiles. In the same way with that temple, Pharisees and Jews did not associate with Gentiles. It would have been crazy to sit at a table with Gentiles. And Paul said, man, I'll sit and eat and hang out with Gentiles. Why? Because I want to build a bridge to reach them, right? And, and it goes on and he says, uh, why am I doing this? So that I might save some. So I want to pose a question. Was Paul being inconsistent? Was he sinning? Was he being a people pleaser? Was he being a chameleon? Was he one person in front of this group? Was he another person in front of that group? And this is what I want to show you. Paul never once changed his identity. He never once uh, uh, forfeited his purpose. He wasn't inconsistent in his life. No, listen, he was consistently living out his number one value, and this was it. I will do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. 
anything short of sin. Listen, um, he, he didn't change his identity. It didn't change his values. He didn't sin. He was simply adapting to the culture he was trying to reach. I'll give you guys an everyday example, right? Like if you're trying to reach a guy or a girl or whatever, and, and they're into fishing, and you've never gotten a fishing pole, and you're like, man, I, I don't, it may be awkward to kind of just go up and like tell them, hey, you need Jesus, and you need to get saved right now. Um, one of two things are gonna happen. It may work, or they may say, get out of my face, crazy person, right? Does that make sense? And it's different, whoever you're reaching. But man, you go and start figuring out how to fish, man, you're building a bridge out in that boat on a fishing trip, amen? Uh, maybe for some of you, you know, you're, you're an athlete and you're like, man, I'm really into athletics, but God has put it on your heart to reach somebody that's president of the chess club, right? Does that make sense? And you got an option here, okay? You begin to learn how to do something or find a bridge to relate with this person. It's the same way, man. Listen, if you're looking for something to relate, everybody's talking about Freddie Freeman getting traded, right? Start there. Just begin to build a bridge, a relational bridge. And Paul's saying, I am not gonna hinder uh, the gospel going forth. I'll build a bridge with anyone. But he also makes it clear that we can have barriers, that we can be barriers, right? And that, that's what the Pharisees were. So I wanna give you three things, because this is what I don't want for any of us. We should not be a barrier for people meeting Jesus. Can I get an amen? We should never be a barrier. So three things that are simple barriers to people being reached. Number one is our preferences, right? Our preferences. Well, man, that worship service isn't how I like it. Or maybe they do it this way and I don't like it. Or maybe, man, this is a group of people that I'm just not comfortable with, right? Or they're not like me. Listen, the gospel is for every age, every socioeconomic group, every race, every part of town, every family background. The gospel is available to all, amen? And listen, our preferences should, should never be barriers for people meeting Jesus. Secondly, take this down. Um, our comfort can be a barrier. Our comfort. I'll go back to it, man. Um, when God lays it on your heart to, to take your next step in Christ and maybe invite that person to church, sign up for a group, go to group, whatever that thing may be, listen, it's rarely comfortable. Obedience to Christ is rarely comfortable, but take this with you. Obedience is rarely comfortable, but it's always worth it. Don't let your comfort be it. When God presses on your heart, you take that step and go, okay? Um, I, I've never seen a step of faith that ever felt comfortable at the time. And then lastly, take this with you. Uh, a barrier to reaching people can be our sin, our sin. And what I mean by that is this, is when we claim Christ, right? And we say we walk in Christ, yet we live totally against Christ, what you're doing is you're confusing the heck out of people around here, right? And listen, we live in the Bible Belt, that means that everybody and their sister has claimed Christ at one time or another, amen? And so what happens is you begin to, if you're kind of in that place, you're, you're like, man, well, well, does it mean that I just show up at a place for an hour, but then I can live however the heck I want, and that's what it looks like to be reached? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. But listen, we can't let our sin become a barrier to people meeting Jesus. It causes what I call gospel confusion. The Bible says that uh, we're called to grow in holiness. That means we're set apart. We become different. And, and I believe this today because it's already happening here. Anybody in here want to be a difference maker with your life? Anyone in here? Listen, to be a difference maker, you got to be different. Hear that again. To be a difference maker, you got to be different. That we don't need to let our sin be a barrier to people coming to Jesus. So uh, enough about barriers. Let's talk about bridges. How do I build a bridge with people? You know, I talked about the, the simple thing of befriending someone 
taking them to Chick-fil-A, uh, playing chess with them. Uh, I mean, God, I'll do it, but I really don't want to kind of thing, right? Um, but let's talk about the universal language here. I wanna give you a secret. If you want it, the secret to reaching people, there is a universal secret that will make you effective anywhere on the planet for reaching people to Jesus. Okay, I want you to take that. Everybody leaning in right here? The secret, how do I build a bridge? The secret is love. Hear that again. I've not found anyone on this planet, everywhere I've been, that doesn't want to be seen, heard, loved, and valued. Every single person I know. Man, when you just begin to love God and love people, you are a natural bridge builder for this world. You guys tracking with me? Man, love is it, is the key. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can have the most gifts on the planet. You can be the best speaker. You can be the most talented. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. And man, I'm telling you, love is the bridge builder. So take it with you right here. And I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna go back to my testimony. If you're a devoted Christian who acts normal and loves Jesus and is serious about the kingdom, you are an effective, uh, you're gonna be an effective disciple maker for the kingdom. Hear that again. Act normal, don't be weird, don't judge people, right? Love God, love people, and just be normal. And man, I'm telling you, people just start coming to you. I don't know how to explain it, right? But that's it. It's the secret, man. Just begin to love people. Don't judge them and be serious about the kingdom. If you're wanting a, a, my definition of discipleship, we see this with Jesus, we see this with Paul. I'll take this with you. Discipleship is meeting people where they are and helping them get where God wants them to be. That's it. Meet people where they are, help them get where God wants them to be. Because see, as a church, a lot of times, we're really good at trying to make people to adapt so that they can fit in with our club, right? Make sense? Jesus told us to what? To go, to baptize, and to teach, to obey, right? He's, it's a sending thing that we meet people where they are and help them get where God wants them to be. As a church, we gotta be married to the mission and not the methods, that all this may look different in 10 years, but listen, we're not married to the methods. We're married to the mission, and the mission is to reach people. Amen? So how can I do it? What does this look like? Take this with you, okay? How can, <clears throat> how can I do it? Build a bridge with people that Jesus can walk across. And the main question you ask is it's like, well, but how can I be effective in reaching these people yet maintain who I am in Christ, right? Listen, the, the whole goal is to be holy yet effective. What I'm saying is, I'm not asking you to get in a closet and pray for 30 years and not be around people. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's not it. It's how do I be holy, but yet how am I effective in the world? I am not of the world, but I'm effective in the world. Right? That, that is the whole goal. That's the line um, we walk, the tension we really have. And so maybe for some, uh, I had a guy one time, he got saved, and he said, Buck, can I come hang out with you this weekend? Uh, I said, yeah, man, sure. He said, listen, I literally have no idea what to do on the weekends that's not just going out and being destructive. <laughs> I mean, true story. He's like, I, I have no context. Well, listen, what I want you to know is um, sometimes God wants us to grow solid in who we are in Christ before we can begin to build the bridge with our former circles. You guys tracking with me? It's like this. Anybody ever seen, I grew up on a farm. Anybody ever seen a calf born, right? I don't know what y'all do. I can't, I'm trying to build a bridge. No bridge is being built. I don't know what you guys do. Anyway, but let me just describe it to you then. So when a calf's born, it like hits the dirt and it's kind of curled up and it, it can't walk real good. Brand new, man, the, the, new. The Bible says when, when we come to faith in Christ, no one will see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So it's just like this calf being born and it can't really move, it can't walk yet, it's trying to figure everything out. But over time, 
And that calf begins to get up, and it's super wobbly. It's shaky. He'll begin to walk a little bit. But over time, as he begins to walk, he can begin to walk solid on his own. It doesn't need a, his mom around to protect him from people and all that kind of stuff, right? He can walk and run and do all those sort of things. Well, listen, when we come to faith in Christ, we're just like that calf. It takes a little while to walk, and we have to learn who we are in Christ, be around community that's protecting us and wanting us to help walk. That's why connect groups are so important. But over time, as you begin to grow strong, God will send you into circles to reach people. You guys tracking with me? Yes, no, maybe, kind of, yeah? All right, let's roll. So ask yourself the question, how can I be holy yet effective? How can I be holy? That means set apart. That means not of the world, but yet I'm effective while I'm in the world. That's the goal. That's the key. All right, so verse 23, read it with me. That's what it says. It says, I do all this. Why? Why do I build the bridges? Why am I set apart, yet why am I still moving around to reach people? Why? It says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Take this with you. Use your freedom to live a life worthy of the gospel that bought it. Hear that again. Live, use your freedom to live a life worthy of the gospel that bought your freedom. Uh, I think about it like this. Paul's trying to tell us something here today. God's telling us something that use your freedom to reach people. Use your freedom to build bridges. Don't be a barrier. Don't judge. And now, use your freedom that's worthy of the gospel that bought your freedom. Well, to live a life worthy, we got to talk about the gospel and what it bought, right? And so, going all the way back, Genesis 3, something happened. There was Adam and Eve. There was mankind that were created in God's own image. They were created to to walk with God, to fellowship with God. They were going to live with God for all eternity, They were going to enjoy the work of their hands. They were going to enjoy each other. They were going to populate the earth, right? And it was going to be beautiful. Imagine no sickness, no sin, no shame, no pain. It was awesome. This was God's original design for all of us. But we all know it didn't finish that way. And what Eve did is she looked at this apple that God said no to, and she said, you know, I think I'm going to do life my way. I think I'm going to go independent of God. And she took of this fruit, she ate it, and she gave it to Adam, and, she, and he ate it. And, and what happened is sin came into the world. And what sin is, is missing the mark of God, his perfection, right? And, and because of sin, okay, there was a price that had to be paid, a, a wage, okay? And I want you guys to read this with me. Romans 6, 23, it'll be on the screen. It says, for the, the, the wages of sin is death. That's the price. The wages of sin is death. There was a price to be paid for that sin, that one sin. So if I could imagine, let's talk about God's garden right here and Adam and Eve in it. When they sinned and fell short, they were separated from God. The price to pay for that sin was now death. And guess what? That price was, it kept going down in each and every person that's been born. Uh, we have been born imperfect. Right? If you don't believe me, man, I've got a couple two and three-year-olds. I'll introduce you to them, Right? It's just true. And so we've all been born imperfect. And I think one thing that will center this room right now, we have done things that have hurt the heart of God, right? And we have done things that we know have hurt others. And we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And and at least one. But the wages for sin, the missing the mark of God, it says it's death. Now, when we live in sin, not only is eternal death coming, but I, I know for me in my life before I surrendered to Christ and began to follow him, Uh, sin always seemed to kill good stuff in my life. Anybody attribute to that? It killed relationships. And a lot of times it killed me spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And it was just not good. 
right? So not only is it death for eternity, but it's death here. And what he says is the price to be paid is death. That's eternal death. That's a separation from God, right? And, and like, we're, we're dead here. And so, listen, maybe you hear that and you're like, well, that ain't good. I need to be with God. I wanna do what it takes to get into the, the, the pearly gates. I, I, wanna, I wanna be there. Well, listen, if you hear this and you say, man, I've got to cut out this bad stuff. I gotta come to church more. I've got to do these things and, and I've got to become better. Listen, it's like running in an episode of Fred Flintstone. It's like the Fred Flintstone run. You remember when he starts running? That cat starts hauling tail, but he don't go nowhere, amen? Y'all haven't watched Fred either, but listen. You cannot clean yourself up enough to get back to that good original design. You can't. There, there was, I mean, think about Paul. Dude, he murdered Christians. I mean, he, he, he imprisoned them. And so when Jesus met him, I'm sure he's like, dude, I can't get back to you. But listen, this is what God does. God, who is rich in mercy, it says he made us alive in Christ, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What that means is, is that God, instead of leaving us in our sin, instead of allowing us to die and pay the, pot, the price, the, the wage that we had to pay, he said, man, I'm gonna make a way and I'm gonna pay that price. And he sent Jesus to us, sinful humanity. And when Jesus got up on that cross, he lived that perfect righteousness. He, he paid that price. And what he did when he hung up on the cross, that price that had to be paid, God poured it all out on his son. He paid for it completely. And so what he said is this, is that the, the gift, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life. And those that place their faith in Christ, that admit, say, God, I am a sinner, I am broken, I have been living apart from your design. When we say yes to him, our souls don't go there yet, but, I, but we are eternally saved and restored back with God in that original design. Amen? I know you ain't no clapping bunch, but if you ever was, that was the moment, right? And you missed it. But know this, a just God will punish sin, and the weight of sin is heavier than you could ever imagine. It's heavier than you could ever bear. But we have a Savior who bore it for us, and all that would say yes to him and get saved, that go to him, we're free. You don't have to be here anymore. It's like a courtroom. You're, you're gone, you're acquitted, and you never have to come back for the charge. He set you free. And listen, when God met, met Paul on that Damascus road, what Paul saw and what he was forgiven of, he never got over it. It, it drove the rest of his life that he walked with joyful freedom as he made tents, he planted churches, he reached people, not so that God would love them, because he had received God's love. And that is the gospel. The gospel will always drive us. That is the manner we live worthy of that news, friend. Worthy of that news is how we live our life. Not so that you'll be accepted or eventually be good enough or do enough. Man, you could plant a million churches and if it isn't the love of Christ, you missed it, amen? So I wanna, I wanna take this with you right here. So, so pick up with me in verse 24. So Paul received that news. And he said, I, I, I'm gonna live a life in a manner worthy of the gospel. I do all this for the sake of what God's done for me. That's it, that's simple. Well, listen to verse 24. This is where the athlete comes out and Paul, right? And I'm, I'm fired up about it. Listen, verse 24. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, run in such a way to get the prize. Right, that means that when you get freed, your soul's secure in heaven, your body hasn't caught up yet. As you're going to your eternal destination, don't go half-heartedly, brother, you run to get the prize. Like there's people running beside you. You go hard. It says, verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. He says, I'm, I'm not, I'm focused, I'm, I'm centered in. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. It's a call for discipline. And listen, discipline is rarely comfortable, right? That's why I call it discipline. And he says, man, I'm gonna study the scriptures. I'm gonna pray, God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this time to be renewed in who I am in Christ, to, to be renewed to the gospel. I'm gonna grow and I'm gonna be disciplined in you and I'm gonna go and evangelize because you're worth it. Because I wanna get the prize, right? And he says that runners and athletes, we do it to get a prize that, that's temporary, but I'm doing it to get a prize that's worth it. Now, I wanna tell a story. So my, my, y'all, many of you know, probably know my brother uh, who, who attends church here, and uh, we both wrestled in school. And man, it was a huge part of our life. And I was, I was, uh, I was th- thankful to win two state championships. Uh, my brother won four. Uh, I mentioned that because I'm not bitter about that at all, right? Uh, he was better than me. But listen, I, I, I worked very hard for those. They don't hand those out. I, I watched NCAA's wrestling last night. Uh, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of work to do that. I mean, I should have just etched my name in the darn bleachers at Toombs County High School. I ran them suckers at lunch almost every day during wrestling season. And man, I worked hard, man, and I, and I got that hand raised. I got it raised a couple times, and they gave me the medal, and it was, I jumped in my dad's arms. Some of the best moments of my life. And listen, don't get it twisted. I'd do it all again, and I'd try and win two more, right? Don't get it twisted. But I want to let you know something. I couldn't tell you today where those medals are. Mom, I know you're in the house. I hope you know where they're at. But listen, those things are gonna pass away. The minute I quit breathing, they're gonna belong to someone else. But Paul, all that he did, man, when he got it, every church he planted, every person he reached, every, everything he did in the name of the gospel, listen, it is securely waiting for him in heaven. Could you imagine the people he saw when he passed over? He got a prize, the crown of life that, that Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter my rest. Man, he got a prize that he's still enjoying today, brother and sister, amen? And that's what God calls us. This is the motivation to go, the motivation to serve, give, reach, evangelize. It's so that we will get a prize that will last for all eternity. Amen? This is the why. So I want to close as you kind of meditate on that. We kind of wrestle with that a little bit. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, one through three. If you don't want to turn, I know we're, we're, we're bringing it in right here. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews 12, one through three. As you're looking for motivation for that, right? As you're, as you're looking for motivation for that, of whatever your vocation, wherever God sends you, know that you were saved to, to go to, to, to share the gospel. Listen, listen to Jesus here. Listen to Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. I want to stop right there as I really feel like the Lord pressed this in my heart. Some of you, if you've started that journey, and man, sin has just entangled you. That's what it does. It distracts you. It gets you off course. And I want to let you know something. If this really happened, it's not forfeited. God's just telling you to get back on the tracks. Amen? That, that's what he's saying. Is like It easily entangles us. Maybe for some, it's heaviness of, of something going on in your life. I, I love that the gospel frees us. We don't come to church to get beat up. We come to get pumped up, built up. 
and the love of Christ. Listen, and he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What he's saying is, as you're going, you remember there was one time Jesus was here with us and he was going back to the Father. And to get back to the Father, he had to go to the cross. He had to be spit on, ridiculed by sinners. It was hard. It wasn't easy, right? And he said, but it was for the joy set before him. It was not where he was in, but it was where he was going. The joy set before him. He obeyed God. He endured the cross to get the prize. And the prize was to be with the Father for forever, to do whatever God had called him to do. And then it says he sat down at the right hand of God. You want to know what the prize is? Not only did he obey God, but the prize was, look at these people I won. Look at these people that if they'll say yes to my sacrifice, they get to be with me for all eternity. Brother and sister, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And so I want to speak to two camps, really three today. Number one, if you've never said yes to Christ, today's the day, man. Don't worry about who's to the right, to the left. I've been there, right? I've been there. Say yes to Christ, get set free. The reason you feel weighed down and things that just feel purposeless is because you haven't found your purpose in Christ. But today that can change. The, the other group, if you are, are on this journey and, and you've been knocked off track, Right? Maybe sin has weighed you down or you've been distracted, you've been away. I, I just want you to come and be set free at the foot of the cross. Be reminded of what God did and get back on the tracks and just begin to joyfully follow him. And then lastly, if, if, if you're out and you're battling, and man, you just feel tired. Like to keep obeying God at work when all these people are just horrible. Or maybe it's, you know, home, kids are difficult and how do I be a mom and a and a, and a friend and, and a dad and all those sorts of things. If you're weary, man, just come and worship well in this last song. Be renewed of what Jesus has done for us and the purpose he's given us. And so whatever God's put on your heart, I just want you to respond well. I, I prayed at the, the first service and man, I'm going to be down here praying. I would love to just pray with you. Um, but man, I want us to respond well to what Jesus is doing in this moment. Okay, let's pray. Uh, God, we love you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word, Lord. I pray that it would accomplish much. I pray that you would, uh, you would give us a picture of what you've done for us. Give us a picture of what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray right now as, um, as you speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would have uh, hearts open to receive what you're saying. And we'd have the boldness to respond. And so first, if you're here and, and you'd say, Buck, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. And I'd like to say yes to that free gift that you talked about on the cross. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? Is that anybody in the house today? Amen. Praise you. Praise God. So if God's working on you, you won't be the only one today. Um, he's working in this place. Amen. For the rest of us, Lord, I continue to pray. Uh, I continue to pray that you'll minister our hearts. Let this last song, man, such a sweet song. Lord, would you minister to us? Would we worship well? And God, even if it's not here yet, will we get a glimpse of heaven? God, will we would get a, a glimpse of the freedom we have in you? Lord, would you challenge us to live our lives well while we're here? And will we run our lives in a way to get the prize, God, the crown of life? We love you, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.